Gumption. Defined as initiative, aggressiveness, resourcefulness, courage, spunk, guts, common sense, and shrewdness. Welcome to the podcast. This is Stories of Gumption with your host, Ryan Lee. All right, welcome everybody. Here we are, episode 10. We made it to double digits. Believe it or not, we're still hanging on. People are listening, people are enjoying. Lots of positive feedback so far. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe and maybe leave a review if you're interested. But uh, appreciate it for all those who have stuck around for the first nine episodes. Here we are at number 10, the Stories of Gumption podcast. Conversations with entrepreneurs, creative thinkers, and who I think are just really, really impressive people. Let's talk about our two sponsors quickly. The first one, Open Gate Farmstead. As you've heard before, they're a stone's throw away from the mighty Osable River. Open Gate Farmstead is a first-generation farm specializing in free-range poultry, pasture-raised pork, and seasonal produce. The farm is run on a simple principle. Happy animals make the healthiest and tastiest product. <laughs> Isn't that good? That is good. <laughs> I wonder who wrote that. Uh, yeah, uh, Matt Craig. I, I have assumed so. Yeah, it's quite funny. Yeah, Matt Craig. Uh, for those of you who don't know him, he's a uh, mortgage lender in town. Uh, does a really good job. Um, he did a great job for my wife and I. But he is also uh, him and his wife own Open Gate Farmstead. They're a proud sponsor of this podcast, and they are offering a dollar off. Your first order of eggs, uh, if you tell them that uh, you learned about them from the Gumption Podcast. So reach out to them on YouTube or Facebook, Instagram. Check them out. Our second sponsor, I'm very, very pleased to announce, is Kavanaugh Realty. Galen Trombley's the man. He's definitely the man. He did a phenomenal job for Lauren and I when we bought our house in 2016. Uh, Stayed up late the night we wanted to make our offer. And because we stayed up late, he was actually in Florida and on vacation. He still worked with us and we put in an offer, beat out another offer the next morning. And here we are sitting in our house, the Gumption Studio. So big kudos to uh, Kavanaugh Realty, a local independent real estate company helping their neighbors buy and sell their homes. Check them out on the web, social media, Hashtag local matters. I actually have heard so many good things about uh, Galen and Kavanaugh. Um, and when I was look, looking, uh, a friend of mine suggested that I go see him. And he was like so easygoing and like, I'm not going to force you to buy anything that's out of your range. I'm just going to. He was like a no pressure guy. It was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Good sponsors you got there. Awesome. <laughs> so you heard. You heard there's a voice on the podcast, everybody. <laughs> The 10th guest of the Stories of Gumption podcast is a good friend of mine, a fellow Rotarian. I would say she's a serial volunteer, uh, (laughs) I think highly respected, uh, a workhorse in everything she does, uh, and currently the Community Relations Coordinator at Meadowbrook. Rocking it? Yeah. Welcome to the podcast, Sandra Geddes. Thank you so much. I am so happy to be here. I will admit, weirdly enough, I rarely get nervous, but I'm a little nervous. <laughs> That's okay. I, I am afraid I'm going to say something that I shouldn't say. That's okay. Okay. We'll edit it out. Okay, good. Or maybe we won't. Maybe we won't. We'll, we'll, we'll Surprise. See. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> You'll have to wait until the end and see, see what happens. <laughs> okay. Uh, but 
we were talking before the podcast, and I, I can't help but start things off um, because I think gumption comes in many forms. But for me, uh, sometimes I struggle to have the gumption to go running. <laughs> uh, I, I, my wife totally crushes it. She's yeah. an amazing runner. She's superwoman. But we were talking, and you love running. I, I, I love running. Running is... I am not a religious person uh, at all, but I running is my church. I solve all of my problems every single morning. I run like five to seven miles every single day, and I couldn't do my work day unless I had that done because I I, I don't know if you know this. I'm a little high energy. <laughs> I, uh, I kind of like to jump around. I have restless leg syndrome. Have you ever heard of restless leg syndrome? I, I haven't, but what? but I would assume I would assume oh, you. you. Oh, it's crazy. <laughs> So RLS, as it's commonly known, is like where you want to cut your knees off because you can't sit still. So if I don't run, when I want to sit down and watch Parks and Rec reruns at night, it can't be happening because my knees literally will like just make me insane. So running helps me with that, but it also is just a way for me to have stress relief, and I love it. And we have so many wonderful trails to run in Plattsburgh. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's gorgeous. I love it, but... You know, I don't do marathons like your lovely wife. That's that's amazing. But I, I think that it's a really great way for stress relief. And not ever, it's not for everyone, but mm. I did tell you before that um, right after I, I, I sadly I've been through a divorce, but after I got divorced, I had no friends. So when my in my moment of genius, I decided I was going to start a women's running club which meets on Wednesdays. And it's gone a little bad this winter. We didn't get very many runners, but three or four of my very best friends I met through the Ryan run club and uh it's got really wonderful and we do all different levels like people come in but one of my favorite stories about it is actually my friend Amy who she started the run club and she was slower you know she was like a 10 or 11 minute mile and she kept coming. She, I don't think she missed one. And last year we ran the Plattsburgh half marathon together, oh, and wow. we we did an eight forty five mile minute mile the whole as our average. And we were it was the most wonderful thing. I felt so proud. And I have wow. my other friends that I do the same thing. I don't want to not mention them, but my other friend Kirsten, who I met at Run Club, she is running the marathon in Burlington at the end of May, and so super proud of her. She's running. She ran eighteen miles. She parks at my house in the city so she can run the trails around and she'll park at my house and she'll run 18 miles, come back. And she's, it's amazing. I'm so proud of her. That's crazy. Yeah. And, and I mean, I remember from training with my wife last year for the marathon, cause I was hanging in there. Yep. Uh, you get to a point where you actually have to like refuel yourself oh, when you you're do. running that many miles. Yeah. There's a thing that actually exists. So my dad was a really big runner and he ran a lot of marathons. And he always told me about hitting the wall. Yeah. And does your wife, has your wife said that that's happened to her? Yeah. Yeah. So funny story. So she ran the South Hero Grand Isle Marathon right. last October and I did not. <laughs> <laughs> you, you cheered her on though. That's yeah. yeah. Well, I, I still wonder if I did the right thing or not, but she said it was okay. But I, I went down to Burlington for breakfast, <laughs> came back. I was tracking her on the like Find My Friends app, and I was like, okay, yeah, she's doing good. She's doing pretty fast. Wow, okay. And I caught up with her probably because they were pretty 
um, they were holding back on letting people like go all the way around the track anyway, cause it's kind of tighter roads, but, um, they started letting people cheer on the runners around mile 20. Oh my God. And that's right where she hit the wall. Oh, I think. that's awful. And you could tell she was, she was, I mean, doing way better than a lot of people, but. Um, that's where you need gumption. Yeah. You need it when you're hitting that wall because boy, that thing, you just, you get to 20 and you're just like, I can't believe I have to run six more miles Ugh. and it, 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 it's hard. It's hard to do. It's hard. And then you cross the finish line and you're like, that was awesome. I can't wait to do the next one. That now, didn't happen to me though. <laughs> so, so yeah, you, you've run a full marathon. Yes. I did. With- Where did you do that? When did you do it? Tell me all about this experience because I'm I'm fascinated. I'm not sure that you really want to know all the gross <laughs> deeds because I will I will tell you it because I'm pretty much an open book. But and I'm sure this happens to everyone or many people. So I ran it with my actually my ex husband. We had trained for it and it was hard because we trained separately and we were probably about the halfway point and he got a cramp or something happened. I can't remember. Yeah, like something. And so he had to walk and I stayed with him and it took us a long time, but we were able to run towards the end. But then my insides didn't want to stay inside yep. and we like, there was no porta potty insight. And I thought, thank God, like where was two miles left and I was just ready to let it go. I was yep. just going to like, I don't, I don't, I know it sounds terrible, <laughs> but like when you're, when you're on your mile 24 and you have you're to go like, to the bathroom and there's nowhere for you to do that and you just want to finish this stupid thing, I was like, it's just going to go. I'm going to have to poop my pants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, I didn't. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. And feel, it's just, I feel like I've seen pictures of that on Facebook and always been like, bad. is it really worth it? Oh but I, I've never been there, right? Like, I, I guess if you're trained, you invest months and months and so much hours and hours of pain, exhaustion, and exhaustion, and still going to work while your body hurts. Yep. And you're just, you got to be all in. And, uh, you get to mile twenty four. If you have to, if you have to crap, like <laughs> I don't know, do man. <laughs> I don't know. He's got to do it. It's, it's but it's you did. You made it. I made it to the porta potty. It wasn't, and like I feel bad for anyone that was outside of that porta potty because it was not. It was terrible. But you're just your body. You don't know what your body's gonna do. And when you hit that wall, it's really that's 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 gumption for you. And you and people do give up. But man, you get that far, you're like six more miles. But then your head says six more miles so yeah it's it's tough you have any plans in the future do it again you know i actually say no i don't want to because i don't want to do like the 18 miles 20 miles training and be exhausted but i'm in the best shape of my life right now my runs are really good and i'm feeling good and it might be nice to do one by myself mm. that i can determine how well i do mm. and uh I really loved the one in uh, Burlington, the uh, Vermont City Marathon. Yep. And my dad always did that one. So, And I loved watching him do it and him going to the finish line. And oh, so proud of him. So proud. And so I kind of that kind of makes me want to do it. I think it was like two, maybe three years ago, uh, I heard that it was so hot during the – that they they like said, no, done. Like, Canceled. They stopped it. Like mid-race. And yeah. there were people that were at – Mile 18, mile 20, mile 24. Oh, I would have been so and mad. And you tra- you're training this whole time. And you're like, wait, I can't I can't finish? And they're like, no, you can't. It's done. It's done. It's canceled. Bye. Like, I don't know. Maybe I, m- I might have been like, 
Oh, it's canceled. Okay, good. <laughs> like, I'll stop yeah, I don't know. I, I, I probably would have been the one that's like, yeah, man. Well, it was a good try. And that, like try. mile two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, uh, I, I've been keeping it pretty secret, but I'm considering seriously giving it another try. <gasps> good for you. Despite your experience with your, um. Yeah, last year. Yeah, so we were talking before, and so the the listeners maybe don't know. And I brought it up a couple times, I think, in other (laughs) in other uh, episodes. But yeah, last year I was studying or studying training to run the marathon with my wife Lauren in October. We started in May, and we were like, "Oh, why don't we do another marathon, like a half marathon, about halfway?" Because we'd be running that amount of mileage anyway to train. So let's make it fun. So a few of us, our friends, we got together. We got an Airbnb down in Providence, and there was a big Providence City half marathon. We're like, oh, this is awesome. Let's do it. Worst (laughs) downpour ever. Sounds terrible, honestly. Ever. It was awful. I still have nightmares of running up this bike path, this narrow bike path uh, with hills on either side of you and the water just gushing down in. It was above our ankles, and of course... Me, I'm usually pretty coordinated, but that day I just coordination was gone. <laughs> I fell down from like a loose shoelace at like mile two or three. <laughs> Got, you know, 10 more to go. And uh, then while I'm tying my shoe, a kid runs by and steps on me. So I was ready to go. But my mental like drive to to continue training after that race for another 13.1 mile. I was like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. There's no way. I'm done. <laughs> Lauren carried on strong and she finished it because she really wanted it, but I did not. But I'm thinking I'm going to try I'm trying it again. You know, and that was a really bad experience. You know, we th- there's runs that I'll do year after year. Did you do the turkey trot last year? Not last year. That was but wise. A year before. It was negative six with a wind chill Ugh. on turkey trot morning. It was it was the worst. And you know what? I'll go back next year, but you'll have a better experience in a longer one. You never, you just never know. You never know. You and never it know. It could be a good run or it could be a bad run. It's, it's hard. It's, it's like a metaphor for life. You never know when things are going to go great or you're just going to have to. Or crap. somebody's going to step on you. Or you're going to have to crap yourself. <laughs> or crap yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, it was the worst. Oh, my God. It was terrible. Now, now when I finish, like I'll do, and this will happen this year when I do the half marathon. So after you have children. And, and Lauren doesn't know this. And if you do have children, she'll, I think, find out. So after you finish, like even doing a half marathon or a long run of any sort, now <laughs> when you finish, you're so relieved, you just pee your pants. Oh, I just man. pee my pants and I just know I'm going to do it. And so one year, the first year it happened, I was wearing cotton running pants. And so everybody saw me pee my pants. And the second year I learned, so I wore like black spandexy ones. Yep. And still you could see me peeing my pants. And then I just smell like pee for, <laughs> oh until I got God. to go home. It was awful. It was so gross. <laughs> I was like, pee in my pants. Yeah, you're, <laughs> pee in my pants. You're it. <laughs> yep. You're really selling the long run thing. Sorry. <laughs> I know. It's just hard. I, I, well, you know what? I think, I guess getting back to like the, the de-stress piece of it. Yeah. Oh my God. It's therapy. Yeah, it is. It's therapy. If you can find that comfort zone and that whatever pace is meant for you, yep. uh, I think I like my sweet spot is like a nine minute mile, and That's I just nice. sit there and I just. I've, I've talked like on a few other episodes. You know, it's like we 
the first one with my friend uh, Jay Condi, uh, one with Tom Bull, a few others, Amy Kretzer, we talked about this, but common theme of if you just turn everything off, your phone, turn everything off. Just don't have any stimulation and just go outside. That's what I do on my runs, and it's actually really loud. Yeah. Well, I, I, I turn. I have my music blasting in my ears. Like I'm, yeah. I'm like it's. It, it, but it's 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 exactly what you have to do in order to work through your problems or exactly s- things you. I mean, I think of my best work ideas on my runs. Yeah, I really do. And um, it's funny though. Like so many people when they join the running club or um, my friend Karen, she's just started running because she likes wine and she wants to be able to continue to drink wine and yeah. not have it go to her ass. So oh, I don't know <laughs> if I'm allowed to say swear words on here. It's fine. It's okay. Oh, good. Um, so she started running and she's like, well, I'm not a runner yet. And I said, well, how many times are you, what are you you're running every week? Or she's running two or three times a week. And she was like, yeah, but I'm not fast. And I said, it doesn't matter. Like you're a runner. So you, you run, you have the intent of running. You're not being chased by anything. You're doing it of your own volition. You're a runner and it doesn't matter how long it takes you to get there. Just enjoy it. Yeah. And then, then you enjoy running and then you naturally become better. It's a wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. It's a wonderful thing to watch people realize that. Yep. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. And, And I, before I started, before I did the Plattsburgh half marathon, the first time, maybe like four or five years ago. Um, the longest I'd ever run was maybe four miles. Oh, wow. I was like an ice hockey player, you know, short burst kind of yep. athletics. And Lauren, of course, you know, setting the example every time, she uh, ran her first half marathon and at the Plattsburgh one with her friend. I sat on the sidelines and she's like, anybody can do this. You just have to do it. Yep. You just have to do it. If you don't think you can do it, prove yourself wrong. You can do it. Next year, I did it. It was amazing. Great. It's like... Was it a good experience for yeah, you to feel good? Yeah, and yeah. ever since, I, I've run, uh, minus my catastrophe in Rhode Island, right. I've, I've done like four half marathons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're a perfect distance for me, I think. Yeah. For anybody. It's not so grueling and the yeah. training isn't as bad, but it's yep. good. Exactly. Um, you know, I, I think of you... Sandra and I think of gumption for sure because I feel like whatever it is that you're attached to work-wise or uh, volunteer-wise you are just getting after it I mean you get after it it's impressive thank you Um, but I want to give you an opportunity to to talk about your story of gumption, okay. right? Because what is, I mean, what is gumption? For, I'll start off this. What does gumption mean to you? Um, it actually, I've been also called scrappy by mm. people in the past. And to me, it kind of, they're similar. I Gumption to me and, and it means that you just don't, you persevere. Despite the odds, you are going for what you want to get and out of out of life or out of a project or out of a person and you're just you're just trying and like I and everything actually now that we say this and I didn't even mention this to you before even in my uh, marriage it was like you and in your marriage in anybody's marriage 
gumption is crucial. You have to keep after that. You have to take care of it. You have to um, communicate. You have to recognize that as you get older, you're changing, your interests change, your your whole all your ideas change. I mean, I used to be a Catholic when I was like, I went to Catholic school and like, I don't think I've stepped foot in a church in years. Um, but so like, to me, it's for everything. And I really do hate failing, mm. but I have had my series of failures. And, um, but gumption to me is definitely just like picking yourself back up after you possibly think you've had your lowest point. Mm. And I, I feel as though there's been a time that I've had my lowest point and I probably will have other lower points, lowest points, but I feel pretty positive now in my life that I might've gotten over that hump. Mm. So that's what gumption means to me. Yeah. So tell us about that. Okay. I mean, I mean, I, I know you from working at the city and doing amazing things for our city. I know you from Rotary doing amazing things for Rotary. And now I see all the amazing things you're doing at Meadowbrook. Uh, but there's a story that got you through all that. Yes. Why don't you? Do you give... want me? How, how how far? Do you want me to start from like? How, do you want me to tell you? How about? I don't know where to start. I don't want to start from like when I was born. <laughs> you know, the day July twenty sixth. I'm, well, turn, I'm turning forty this year. Also, interestingly, I would love to learn a little bit about. Just tell me a little bit about like your childhood and what set you on your trajectory to Plattsburgh. Okay. Um, so uh, like I, so I have a wonderful family who I love very much. They um, have two sisters, Angie and Kate and my brother, Matt. Uh, and my brother lives in Myrtle Beach where my parents live now too. And my sister, Angie, she's older. She lives in Pennsylvania. My younger sister, Kate, lives in Chase Mills, New York, which is just outside of Messina. Oh, wow. Yes. And I had a very close-knit family. My parents were my were English teachers at my high school. So I had them my entire high school. And that comes with positive to the negative. My dad <laughs> was my volleyball coach. Oh, wow. And he is very temperamental. He was a varsity boys soccer coach, too. So he taught my brother... And my dad had a terrible temper when it came, when he would coach. And when his children would screw up, he'd take the clipboard and he'd slam it on the gym floor, like echo throughout the whole gym. And my mom would be in the bleachers like, Larry, you know, (laughs) and like he'd do the same on the soccer field. So he was like really competitive. And so we all have that. Yep. So I was like, uh, of my siblings, the biggest dork. So I was chunky. I had tons of pimples. I had short curly hair, like Afro hair. I was a huge tomboy. Uh, never had a boyfriend. Like boys, boys and me, boys didn't like me. I liked yeah. boys, but boys didn't like me. Yeah. And my sisters were like gorgeous, you know, like size <laughs> zero or two. Um, and always had a boyfriend, a popular boyfriend. I think my sister was like the prom queen. My Older sister was like prom court. You remember prom yeah, court? Yep. My brother was uh, had a gorgeous girlfriend who he's now married to. Oh, no, they didn't meet in high school. Sorry, but he had a gorgeous girlfriend. Um, but he um, was like the MVP of all the sports. Sure, sure. Super popular. And I was just this big dork. So I ended up at SUNY Plattsburgh. 
And that is when I had my first boyfriend at the age of 19, and he then became my husband and then my (laughs) ex-husband. Subsequently, mm. well, about seventeen years later. Yeah. So that that's I think that's why I kind of ended up. So I ended up in Plattsburgh at college, and then I met my future husband at SUNY Plattsburgh, and we had two kids after graduating. We both got our master's degrees from SUNY Plattsburgh, and uh, we had two kids, a boy and a girl, and then oh, uh, I don't know. A while, like probably also 17, 14 years after we got, 13 years after we got married, we got divorced. Had the mm-hmm. best wedding though. I was just telling this story the other day. <laughs> what a great wedding. Oh my God. Peter Kaju, who's in our Rotary Club. Yes. He was our Peter. DJ. Nice. He was our wedding DJ. So he, he feels, it was funny when I told him we got divorced. So anyway. Peter, uh, Peter Kaju dropping the beats. Yes, he was. He nice. did. Yes. He played 50 Cent in the club. That was a big <laughs> song when we got married. And everybody was on the dance floor, 50 in the club. You know, it's yep. really funny. Yep. Um, so then, um, so during that all, I had worked at my first job at a college was at CVPH Medical Center, which is now University of Vermont. Yep. Health Network, but I yep. was a manager of community outreach and for eight years, and it was a really awesome job, and I still have friends from that job. Um, and just because the way I am, I got bored and decided to leave this awesome job and went to work at um, SUNY Plattsburgh for a year. So I have a little job jumping that went on here that I'll tell you about more. SUNY Plattsburgh for a year working with Faith Long and uh, in institutional yep. advancement. <clears throat> And that had a lot of travel, and so it was really hard. My kids were really little then, and it just wasn't good. It didn't wasn't a good family vibe at that time. So decided to take a job working for the American Cancer Society, but it was working from my home. Oh, and that's a change. Well, it's it, that's it, that's an adjustment for sure. It, it's it's if anybody knows me, they know that. I am just about the biggest social butterfly mm-hmm. on this earth, even more so now in my single adult years. And I just love people all around me all the time. I just love it. And so I wanted to, uh, not really, but the word I always say is I want to blow my brains out. I was so bored. I hated it. I hated it so much. And so um, then, because I was, it, it was, it was a good job, just not for me, you know, and it was, it was just, bo- I was bored. Yeah. So then uh, this position opened up with the city of Plattsburgh, and I applied for it, and my uh, now friend and amazing uh, uh, smart guy and visionary, uh, Steve Peters, who used to be the superintendent of recreation for the city, called me and said, hey, yo, you got to come in for an interview for this. So I was like, yeah, oh my God, yeah. Like events and marketing coordinator for the city of Plattsburgh, a new position that uh, the former mayor, Jim Calnon, uh, had created. And so mm-hmm. I went in, I was so nervous because it was the mayor of Plattsburgh, you know, and he, like, in my mind, that was intimidating. <clears throat> and uh, I'm interviewed and I got the position. And um, then... Basically, what happened over the next two years of my three-year time was the best thing in my life. Like, I had never enjoyed my work so much. I finally felt like I had found my niche. I got to create events for the city of Plattsburgh. I got to... um, their social media. This is when I had to learn social media. And I was telling you, I had to learn from people that were... 15 years younger than me because I, they didn't, I didn't do this. So, 
and I um, took their, the social media from like 100 people following a Facebook page to 8,000 and then across Instagram and Twitter. So total, we had 15,000 followers. I was so, and I still talk about this because I'm so freaking proud of that. You know, I'm so proud of that because that was really hard work and I really, really tried really hard. And um, that's, that's like, that's, you take the politics out of it. Yeah. That's what I think of when I think of your gumption. I can just remember being a resident as a, I, I rented my, you know, before we owned our home in the town of Plattsburgh, we were renting apartments in the city of Plattsburgh. And I just remember seeing, um, all the stuff that you were working on. I mean, it was like, you're going, going, going. And I just know that that couldn't have been easy work, it fun, was, maybe, but, but just all the time. Go, I, was go, so, go. I was just so passionate about it and passionate about engaging our community. Mm. And so about a year after I started at the city is when, sadly, I went through a divorce. And it was really awful. It was really hard for me. But my – and I didn't have friends at the time. So I went into work and my colleagues became my family and my friends. And, like, they – literally they they took care of me like all of them in city hall took care of me um as i went through this so i was really attached to them um i'm envisioning like the parks and rec set it is like, it was oh i like, just love them like i love you them were all. you were leslie nope and <laughs> yeah, was totally uh, leslie nope. i don't know who 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 uh ron swanson was but <laughs> uh, <laughs> <it> was... <laughs> maybe you know what i'll say and i only say this lovingly because i love jim calnon he was a great mayor uh but he's definitely would be like the kind of guy like i would go up to him and be like la, 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 la. we're gonna do a christmas cookie swap or blah, 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 blah. and can you do this and that and he's like I don't care. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And he would just, he would just do it. He would just do it. And he was so great. He was That's so great. one of my favorite good. shows. So it make, it brings me joy just to envision it through Parks and Rec. Yeah, It was. <laughs> it was so wonderful. And I had made, I worked, like I said, with Steve Peters. And actually, at the time of my becoming single, I was working in community development under Paul D. Dominicus, who was a director of community development. And he was such a he is such a great friend to me. I will always anything he asked me ever for, I will do it because he I literally owe him so much. And so these people were really really close with me. And um, so um, actually, so then there was a change, and we had a new election, and um, we got a new mayor in, and it just wasn't the same for me. And I actually, it wasn't the same for a lot of people and, and that's okay. That's, it's a change. And, um, but what was the hardest is like a lot of people's positions were abolished because they were trying to, um, do something with the budget and fix the budget. And, um, yep. and so I received an email that told me my position was going to be eliminated. And so I go into work the next day and I'm in my very non-com way, like throwing a fit at, uh, Paul and say, oh, nobody cares I'm not important nobody cares about my job and uh so Paul being very calm cool collected guy that he is goes home comes back in the next day and we develop this plan that he then proposes to our council which was that as long as I got to keep my job and my benefits that they would even eliminate my events budget which is about $80,000 and uh that I would raise it myself I would get sponsors and I would raise it myself and so over the next three months, four months, that's exactly what I did. And I went to sponsors and I love this city. I love Plattsburgh. I will, I, I am, I am a 
Plattsburgh person now. Mm. I love where I live. And so it was easy for me to sell it to our community. And our community rose up to it. Uh, the last gift I got, the last sponsorship I got, I went to Della Honda. I will never forget this day because it was like the most, well, I mean, it was wonderful. And I was like about $10,000 short of my $80,000 goal. And so I go to Della Honda and I'm meeting with Ernie Galarza, who is an yep. awesome dude. And he, I'm showing him all this stuff. And I'd already met with him a couple of times because I just wanted to get to know him a little bit. And he looks at the sponsorships. He says, yeah, we're just going to do this $15,000 one. And I almost fell out of my chair. That was the biggest sponsorship I've ever gotten. And uh, it made it so that I could finish it and finish my, um, my, my fundraising. And so I'm like so overjoyed. I'm so happy. Um, and I go in the car and I call Paul and I get back to the office. I'm all excited, ecstatic. And he brings me in one of my favorite beers from the beer, <laughs> the beer shop. I love yeah. this uh, Evil Twin Brewing. Um, I'm going to say it wrong. Even more, even more Coco Jesus. Yeah, yeah. It's a stout. It's delicious. And he brings it in. And it was just such a great day and such a great experience. And sadly, um, you know, after that, things kind of fell apart even more. Yeah. And eventually... Other people left. Paul resigned, and I, um, I got, I got uh, another position working for Twin State Technologies uh, in um, Katyville, Morrisonville, Katyville. Yeah, Morrisonville. yeah, something like it's, that. Yep. Well, they're all over, really. They're in Vermont too now, and Albany, I believe. Oh, but, okay. But yeah, um, I know what you're talking about. Thank you, yes. Debbie. Debbie yes. Momont. Debbie and, Momont. And, She's and really the, wonderful. And, uh, the Courier family. Yes, yeah. Clark. Oh, I, that's a funny story. Clark. Clark was really. I'll talk. I'll tell you that. But um. So anyway, so um. After all that happened, I, they did a really great newspaper article on me, and it was a really good picture. And they talked about all this fun sponsorship work I'd done, and blah blah blah. And then it was not a month later that I had resigned to go to Twin State, and my resignation letter like was foiled, and then it, and I made headlines which was really interesting to see on my way to work uh the oh, next boy. day yeah and so um well i guess what, what what when you were faced with a with a challenge right like you, this is the challenge we need to meet we need to raise eighty thousand dollars to do what we want to do for the city how did you how did you approach that challenge like what did you do what was your strategy behind that what was your process i'm just curious so how did you determine what the best way to proceed was? Well, so I'd always done sponsorship work minimally with um, the community businesses. We didn't need that much, um, but I would do it anyway. So I just went to all my existing sponsors first. But I had a nice little little song and dance routine. But, you know, I'm a little different than a lot of the people that I've seen in this kind of line of work. Like, you know, they'll go in with suits and and they'll be very like, um, you know, here's my PowerPoint or whatever the heck you want to do. Mm -hmm. And I am just, I'm a North country girl. So I have, I, I just kind of go in and I want to make people my friend. So I, you know, I can relate to anybody pretty much. And I often tend to make fun of myself and I think people like that, you know, and I, yeah. I, 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 it's, I've just had a way. And so I would just go to people and say, listen, I, you guys always rock and give me $1,000 every year, and I can't ever thank you enough for that. But I have to tell you that 
if you want vibrancy in the city. And they'd seen it already in the proof of the events I'd done. And so they increased their sponsorships. And then I would go to new people and just lay it out. And even if I got a $500 gift, everybody got recognition. And that's another thing is I've always been really great about following up with my sponsors and making Mm. them feel special. Yeah. It's so important. You know, they're giving something, get something out of it. It shouldn't be a transaction. It should be more of a, a relationship where they feel like they invested in company they have some ownership in it now yeah right? like they feel that yep that's important it is and it, it makes them feel good to have their business or recognize you know like i always found ways creative ways i tried really hard i put like i was all night i mean i was a lot so that's how i think i just kind of figured it out and i i knew i could do it i just had to do it and it just mm-hmm. took a lot of time and follow-up so I left, but I, I told you this story and I, I always tell this story because it's so funny because I'm such a drama queen. <laughs> As I got in from one of my colleagues at the city, Bree, um, she bought me this really lovely mug and I can't remember why. And it was Christmas, I think. And I loved it. And it had this really cute saying on it and I loved it. And she left too because we had all these people leaving and she, um, she, uh, as I'm packing up my one box, there's nobody left in City Hall to even say goodbye to. And she, I'm going out the door and my mug falls out of my box and falls, smashes on the ground of the rotunda in City Hall. It's like all these really hard <laughs> floors. And there's nobody there. There's no, literally no one left in City Hall at this time because pretty much everybody had resigned or left or whatever. Oh, man. And it shattered all over the floor. And I, not kidding you, and I retell it because there was no cameras to capture it. <laughs> Fall to my knees, sobbing in my hand, like, oh, why is this happening to me? <laughs> and uh, cried all the way out of City Hall. And I, I, was, I was just, it was traumatic. It was like a death. I was so, so sad. And so this is a long story. I'm sorry. No, this is, this is, this is good. So I went to Twin State yeah. and it was a great, you know, they're a great business. They have been really successful. Um, I was recruited and it was, I was to be, a, I think it was digital digital media strategy or something specialist. Yeah. And I was, what I didn't know was that like, well, so it was just a lot different culture than I was used to and I wasn't busy and mm, I okay. wanted, I just... I need to be engaged. I need to have a task. I need to have something. And I just don't feel, I, I just wasn't the right person for that job. So it wasn't about that. It wasn't about anybody I worked with. In fact, there was great people that work there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, on my third month there, I think it was three months, I went in on without really a plan in mind. I didn't even think about it. I go into work and I turn on my computer and turned it off, walked across the hall and told my supervisor, that I wasn't the right girl for the job and I didn't have a plan and it was insane. Wow. I just couldn't spend another day. So connections you have in our nice small area is one of our fellow Rotarians, Sylvie Nelson had told me yep, yep. she would hire me at doing an administrative job for $15 an hour, which, you know, I'm almost 40 now. That, that was a, that was hard. That was a big pay cut. And I, but she said, you'll have the health insurance until you find something else. So it was so kind of her. And I will for always be thankful to Sylvie for that. This is where 
the gumption had to, to yeah. kick in though. Yeah, so I had, you had two a, kids. Yeah, you, I had two you, kids. Yeah. And um so I took this big pay cut thinking so we had had this plan with us uh, Clinton Community College Foundation that so like actually the day I resigned that day I had lunch with uh Steve Frederick, who you had on the show, who I adore, uh, and uh, Meg Morrissey, who also mm-hmm. works in the foundation, and we had this plan that they were gonna we're gonna create a position for me with them doing similar things that I do now, and so we wrote up this big job and uh, it was proposed to the foundation board. They all approved it, but the college is going through some really hard financial times. So, uh, despite the foundation board having approved it, uh, the president of the college, who's a very nice man decided said that all hiring was going to be frozen for six months mm. and tough that That's was after tough. waiting three months all summer long i waited for that job and i thought it was gonna be and it was you know decent pay nothing le- a little less than i made at the city but still better than 15 dollars an hour and at that point when i found out that this is actually i didn't mention this but the day i found out that my job was being postponed my electricity got shut off and my apartment that I could not afford to live in anymore. And I was so devastated. I was so devastated. I just like, I I had like no money. I had to borrow money from my parents all the time. And it was awful. It was awful. And um, so after that Clinton Community College job fell through, I'm still working at uh, the Workforce Development Board. And um, had a couple opportunities. I had three interviews with Planned Parenthood. And after the third interview, they wanted to offer me the position. And then the next day they emailed me and said, oh, actually, sorry that we cut it. So I didn't have that. And I just like, I remember laying in my room because I now had had to move in with my friend Amy because I couldn't, with my two kids into her giant home. And um, because I, I just needed, I needed, I needed help. And so I was in my room just like sobbing and my, and Amy came to the door and she was like, so you cry tonight. And tomorrow morning, you're going to get up and you're, you're going to get back at it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and it was but like. I laugh, but like, that's just like, that's crazy. You know, that I never would have known. I yeah. never would have known. I, I mean, I've seen you, you know, on and off over the years and, and at Rotary or wherever in the community. And I mean. I never would have known. You were holding yourself together. Yeah. From what I could tell. Yeah. Well, I told you I even had to resign from Rotary because I couldn't afford the $6 a week. I was like, do I get gas or do I get do I get a, a coffee and a, a little mini muffin at Rotary? So it was really, it was bad. It's crazy. And I mean, well, I interrupted your story. No, but, it's okay. And you were just about to come out of it. It was like we're going into the good part. We'll, right? we'll get back to that. Yeah. But like it, it brings to light to me just the the question of, you know, how many people have hit a similar road and in our community and they just need a little bit of, a little bit of support. I hear John Bernardi talking about it all the time. John Bernardi. Oh, that's another person. Yes. He's fantastic. So it was, and so that's where he comes into my, he actually comes into my story, as you know, but he, so a couple of weeks after the uh, Planned Parenthood thing fell through, which I actually wasn't even that excited about. I just needed a better job. Mm-hmm. And um, he comes into my office or my 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 workspace, and and if you know John, he's always this way. He was like, you know what you should do? 
You should apply for this job at Meadowbrook. <laughs> I tell him, John Bernardi told you to. And I said, ah, okay. You know. Nobody can say no to John. Nobody can say That's no to John. Thing. No, yeah. no, no. So I did. I followed his advice. And the um, next day, the next day, um, uh, Mr. Paul Richards, Meadowbrook CEO, um, an administrator, called me and said, do you want to come in for an interview? It's not really an interview. I just want to have a chat with you. Nothing formal. Don't dress up. Blah, blah, blah. And I, I probably shouldn't say this, but I told you, and I was like, it was just like, I kind of was just like, what what is going to disappoint me? You know, like what yeah. what, what is going to disappoint me now? Like just everything had been falling through and, and I couldn't imagine that a nursing home, because Meadowbrook Healthcare is a nursing home and rehab facility, how much could they really pay a marketing person? And so I go in the next day and he comes out and he brings me back and he's telling me about his really awesome duties. I've been there 18 years and he brings me into his office and he's telling me all about Meadowbrook and all about nursing homes and Medicare, Medicaid and how we're lucky Meadowbrook's doing well, blah, blah, blah. And then he kind of says, he says, well, I didn't really bring you in here to, um, I didn't really bring you in here to talk about this. I, I already know the work you do. I already called some people uh, to get references. And um, I've been following the work you did at this with the city and everything. And I'm impressed. And he says, um, I wish I would recorded it because I would play it back to myself. <laughs> just if I was having a bad day, I would listen to it again. Yeah. And he said, I already knew I was going to offer you this job. And uh, he, uh, he says, I, I, I think you're going to be a really good part of this team. And he offers me wonderful benefits right away. And yeah. he gives, then he asked me what my salary requirements are. And at that time, you know, like I'm telling you, I'm like pinching pennies. I had like no money and um, couldn't figure out how I was going to pay for anything ever. And he, um, I told him what my salary requirements are, which were very, very low, but still better than what I was making. And he, all I can say he blew you out of the park. He um, changed my life forever. Yeah. I get really teary-eyed when I think about it because it, it really, he changed my life and my kid's life forever. And <laughs> it's like a Cinderella story. It's like, it, it, it's it, like, it's like the gumption finally paid off. It's, it, and know? that's exactly what he said. And I, t- I told you this, and I tell people this and I did a presentation at SUNY Plattsburgh a few weeks ago and I told him this story and this, what exactly what uh, Mr. Richards had said to me, he said, I'm sitting there and I'm just like in awe. I'm like crying in front of my new boss, my soon to be boss. Yeah. And I'm like, thank you so much. And he's like, you don't have to thank me. You worked hard. You deserve this. And I was just like, it took me forever to believe ever that you deserve such good things. And honestly, there's not been a day since I've been there that I don't. I just as an example. I, when I told you I run every morning, so yeah. I will make it a point at least a few times a week to run up Boynton Hill or as, oh, yeah. as people call Boynton Hell from <laughs> my yep. house and I'll to run by Meadowbrook. And I'll, when I yep. go by Meadowbrook, I blow a kiss every time I go by. And um, wow, it's a- amazing because um, it's just hard to believe. You never think you're a person that's so deserving of such wonderful things. And when you're in a line of business like me, like marketing is at this time, sadly, undervalued. Yeah. I get on a soapbox all the time with companies um, about how marketing and social media are so crucial, so crucial. They're such a such a powerful tool. And it's example I can show you at the city of Plattsburgh, but 
as of recently, Meadowbrook, it's like, it's blowing things up. People love it. Staff morale is amazing. I started a staff spotlight that I had to beg people to be part of in the beginning. And now I have a folder that is going to take me three months to get through because staff (laughs) are nominating each other. It's amazing, amazing experience. And I have so much freedom and flexibility and I just love it. And um, I just, I think that everything kind of fell into place and happened for a reason. But yeah, I had to really bust my butt, you know, like to even get that far. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. It's amazing how hard work truly does just pay off sometimes. Well, and you know, it's a, it's a benefit again. Like there's down, there's downfalls and not upfalls, you know what I'm saying? Like upsides and downsides to living in such a small, tight knit community, Yeah, you know, where you know everyone, but like the people in this community, you know, I haven't always been perfect. I am not the most awesome person ever all the time. Like I definitely have my flaws and I can be a As we all do. Yeah. And I, uh, I'm not always the best behaved, but you know, I try and I, I feel like the people that really have helped me in my life, everyone, my family and my friends and my, any colleagues, professional colleagues, you know, we all kind of look out for each other when in time, in times of need. And I think, um, it was a good point. That was a good moral to that story. And now when I walk around the city, I don't feel sad because I'm not no longer in charge of all the events. I feel pride and happiness that I can go to a restaurant and eat food there and pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> and I asked if they have any openings. You know, it's been, it's just, so it's, I love, I love where we yeah. live and I, I just want to do good things for it. And that's why I think I, I told you. So, when after the city and I did all the social media work and I really learned a lot um, since starting at Meadowbrook, like I've had a couple of businesses in the community that have reached out to me to talk to them about how they can do better. And it's such an underutilized tool that I think um, people are starting to come to with the fact that people are getting their information from Facebook or Twitter or even Instagram. Um and uh, that the more you capitalize on that, and it's yeah. so easy to do. It's so easy to do. You do a very good job with your social media. I do I okay. Say. Do you, you're good, you do good with ha- <laughs> You're a good hashtagger. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hashtags are key. Hashtags are key. Hashtag, yes, hashtags are key. Uh, but I could certainly do better. So let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, I mean, h- half of your success probably is strictly just getting the gumption to get continuously better at social media. Oh, I Totally. So tell me, like, I mean, social media 101. I mean, most listeners probably have a grasp on how they can be effective with social media, but just give me your philosophy on approaching that oh, for a man. business. You're going to just wish you never would have asked me this. This is like my passion. Like, <laughs> this is my passion. I wish I could just like have a hat and t-shirt that says social media is king. Uh, <laughs> although there are some people that would disagree with me and they're Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, before we it. get into it, I see it as I see it as double edged sword. I see I see it as this amazing opportunity for people to connect on a level and share information on a level that they've never it's been unprecedented in human history but at the same time <sighs> it allows people I sound old when I'm saying this <laughs> but the young people to disengage from real conversation totally or 
um, oh my gosh, we always talk about this, me and my girlfriends. I have a lot of single girlfriends, actually. It turns out there, like, there's an age bracket where women tend to get divorced. It's like right around my age. Uh, and we talk about how awful it is dating. And you are seeing a guy and you message them. And you know they're online. Why aren't they answering your message? And you're fixated on the the, yeah. the the opportunity to see who's online and when and how active they are. And why aren't they? They must be busy. They must be have got tied up with something. It's awful. So I definitely see the pros and the cons. <laughs> I definitely see the pros and the cons. Um, it's terrible. Uh, so if I were to give, so what I say to these these different businesses is that. You got to keep it short and sweet, you know, like and and to me, if I see a post that has terrible grammar, I just want to claw my eyes out. Uh, you, you need to be able to write and string a sentence together. The fun thing about social media writing is it's not as restrictive. It's not mm. as rule oriented. There's not like you can instead of a period, you can do an emoji and emojis are great. You can like mm. add a personality to your post. So you keep it short and sweet um, as much as you can, although sometimes they have to be longer. Um, but then always images. Like I always think that if you have, if you're talking about something and you just post text, then, oh my gosh, I won't even, like, I can't even, I'm bored just talking about it. I'm I'm boring myself talking about it. (laughs) So have an image, but then don't have an image that's boring too, you know? So, you know, if you're going to talk about something that's like, okay, so I talked to this, um, talked to AES uh, Northeast uh, a while yeah. ago, and they were so fun. So my friend from City, Paul D. Dominicus, works for AES now. So he's on this marketing committee, and they asked me to come in, and I had looked at their social media page, and it was – they're very smart people. This is a really good company. Uh, they do a lot of good things, but they would do these little posts saying, GIS tip, number whatever. And I don't know what GIS is. I looked it up. That's fine, but it's fine. And but they would have like a GIS tip, but with just little writing of the GIS tips. And I'm like, so how about you do a GIS tip, but you take a video of somebody saying the GIS tip because they're really short and sweet, and videos are good. Yeah. And or do an image that represents a project that you're working on. And so I, they're like my little baby. I like to watch them do their posts because they're doing so great. They're doing so great. They are engaging their audience. They're taking pictures. They're putting, it takes them a little bit of time because it takes a lot of time. And um, so they're engaging their audience. They're keeping their text nice and short and sweet. They're getting a lot more shares. They're getting staff involvement. I said, that's crucial. Like get your staff, like Meadowbrook, that's how they get their news because a lot of our Meadowbrook staff follow the page and they hear all the things on our Meadowbrook page. People know me that don't know I don't know because of our our Facebook page. Mm. And um and so keeping it short and sweet, having an image always or a video and posting fairly routinely. So, you know, I post every day, at least once a day, sometimes twice a day. Um, but if you have the ability to post every day, that's really great. Um the other thing I really have been trying to hit home with them and another group is that this Marketing today is not like marketing from back in the day. Social media and other types of marketing, because you still got to do all your press releases. You got to do all that stuff. Yep. Um, it takes a lot of time, a lot of time. And if you don't have somebody that has only their, their sole, one of their main priorities is to do that, it gets shuffled around and put on the back yeah. burner. But it's so crucial to 
getting new business, getting new business, yeah. getting new customers, getting awareness of programs that you're doing, anything yeah. at all. I mean, and it allows you to give yourself a personality. So now AES is a perfect example because they're a, a, a intentionally, they're intentionally regional. So they're a North country architecture firm, right? Mm-hmm. And their Facebook page was very formal very dry yeah and now we're seeing like them we're yeah. seeing their staff we're seeing them smiling and at meadowbrook it's been it's been it's been wonderful because now our nursing and lpn recruitment has been better we have reduced costs on and public and uh, publications promoting our advertising positions um and and the staff love the different things that we're doing. And now though, I think my warmth, I like, you know, in the beginning I was new, so they're being kind to me. Now when they see me coming, they're like, nope, my hair looks disgusting today. Nope. I'm like, oh, come on, whatever, you know. Uh, but it's wonderful. It's such That's a great. wonderful way to connect people. I just can't say enough about it. I wish I could do everyone's social media for them. Do you take different strategies for different platforms? Um, yes. So um, with Twitter, I, I know you're a Twitter guy. I, I I mean I I I use Twitter primarily for news. Like I'm a reader of Twitter. I have a couple things like the podcast is automatically linked, so it'll when I put out a new episode, it automatically tweets for right. me. And there's a couple things that are like, okay, if it's pretty low maintenance, I'll retweet or do something quick. But well, podcasts actually no, I have to I I'm wrong because podcast is like the jam on Twitter. Like Twitter is yeah. podcast central. Like yeah. there is so many podcasts on Twitter that, and that's a great way to get t- podcast to podcast follows. It, the reason I asked the question though, is because I, I mean, I feel like I'm slowly figuring out Twitter. It's so simple. There's nothing really to figure out, I guess, but like, it seems like I can get so much more attraction and following from Facebook and especially Instagram but Twitter, especially because it's so text heavy, yeah. I mean, you can you can put the photos in, but it seems like it's got to be at such a higher frequency to get any traction on Twitter. Things are moving so fast. Whereas, like, I consider LinkedIn like the opposite of that. Like, I almost think it's it's a bad idea to put a time stamped post on LinkedIn, like you know Monday motivation, because the 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 feed is so slow oh and it God. sticks around. It's Thank like Thursday. Yeah. It's Thursday. It's Thursday, and it's you're finally seeing somebody's Monday motivation because it's just how the algorithm works. And you're like, that doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't work on LinkedIn like that. So yeah. I I asked the question because I recognize that all the different platforms are sort of they're sort of at a different pace. So I was curious if you figured that out, or I don't know if there is anything to figure out, but. Haven't figured so. So here's what I do for the difference. So with uh, fa- Facebook, I actually don't hashtag that much. I don't. I'll hashtag like I'll always hashtag a biz the business. I always hashtag Metabook Healthcare because I just feel like you gotta. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell that to any other business too. Always hashtag your business. Um, and if there's something funny that you can hashtag, like you know, like a, just a hashtag staff spotlight, I'll do that on Facebook. But then, so I use Hootsuite. Have you ever heard of Hootsuite? Never. Hootsuite, H-O-O-T-S-U-I-T-E. I started working with that when I worked at the city and it allows you to post to various platforms all at one time with one post. It's fantastic. And if you only have three pages that, that you're using, then it's free. 
if you get four pages, then you have to start paying for it. It's fantastic. Interesting. Yes, it's awesome. And so the best thing about it too is so I will post, but then with Instagram, you'll get a notification on your phone. And you have to go on to Hootsuite to get your notification and you get this, um, you have your post ready to be published. But then this is where the magic happens on Instagram. <laughs> oh, it's so beautiful. I love this. It's like so fun. So a friend of mine had shared with me like some different hashtags that you should use. And I started using them, but then I realized, wow, you use these different hashtags, but then you're using a whole bunch of... So you use, and I, sh- I can't believe I'm t- sharing my secrets, but... Hashtag like for likes, hashtag like for likes, F-O-R-L-I-K-E-S, and hashtag uh, likes for follow. But then there's a whole bunch of other ones you can do. And basically what happens is the first time I ever did it, I was just staring at my phone and it takes me forever to get somebody to follow, like like something on Instagram if we don't have any followers. So in six months from the hashtagging, and I'll hashtag, so if I'm hashtagging... uh, like I also do some social media work for Adirondack Coast events. They yeah. do all run to race timing. Very cool. And so I'll hashtag run. 20 million hashtag, hashtag searches for the word run. Running is even more. Runner is even more. So those then you have people that are searching these hashtags, seeing these races, and it's, it's boosted their, um, their following. But in six months, we have almost 200 followers on Instagram for a nursing home. Like <laughs> for a nursing home, we have 200 followers on Instagram. And wow, so that's, that's crazy. why I like Hootsuite is because it forces you, you don't have to do the hashtags in every post, but on Instagram, you want to add those. And then of course, Instagram is great because it remembers your former hashtags. And on Twitter, I don't like Twitter because there's so, there's so many, their character limit is hard for me. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's good. It's a good guide because if you can stay under that limit, you're still good and nice and short and brief for Facebook or Instagram. But um, what I found um, with Twitter, you follow those who you follow will generally follow you back. Mm. Um, But for Meadowbrook, it's not been as successful. And I just think it's because Twitter for me is very much more business or news oriented. And Meadowbrook, we're not there. Our intention, my intent with our Meadowbrook page is one, like helping to recruit staff, showing what a wonderful place Meadowbrook is to work. Um, and two, uh, to also uh, attract people that are at the at an age bracket where they need help, and they or families, the, their kids know that their parent or loved one needs extra care, and it's a way for me to showcase what a wonderful place it is to live. Yeah. So Twitter doesn't really necessarily help me with that as much, but I still post to it just because you never know. Um, I agree with you about LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a, a bear. It's, it's a different, it's, it's a different, different, um, and I've seen some, I think it depends what your audience, what your target audience is. But I mean, I see so many people, uh, launching their sales consulting businesses kind of thing on LinkedIn. And it's, I don't know. It's a little exhausting. It's it. But you don't understand it either. I just yeah, it's just it. it's it's a different um, following. But I, I there's a um, have you heard of Gary V? No. Gary v. Okay, so he's a he's a big podcaster, business uh, entrepreneur, and uh, very successful guy. Has a very successful consulting podcast kind of thing going on. But um, he can be a little harsh too. But he, uh, where I was going with that is uh, he has stated that Instagram 
is the number one like social media that every entrepreneur and business owner should be trying to leverage in 2020, 2019. Wow. How come? Because he feels like the tool of Instagram with photos, but the amount of content and hashtags that you can do and also the ability to search content and find new things is, uh, it's incredible. Yeah. And he's he he thinks that Instagram now that it's owned by Facebook is just it's going to be the number one social media platform if it's not already for trying to grow a business. Well, and across all demographics, like so, Facebook. We were talking earlier, like so, it's perfect for me in my line of work that because Facebook attracts folks like me, folks like you know, thirty or more. Mm-hmm. At 38 years or, or older oh boy i'm almost in that category you are <laughs> old facebook user <laughs> but like my parents are on facebook uh my oh, grandpa yeah. is on yep. facebook um yep. so like you really catch everybody that you want that, that at least for me um that you want to attract you, like but instagram so you're mm. getting like that's the 20 somethings the 20 mm-hmm. 20 year olds think instagram is okay they do not think it's for old people so they're still so instagram is very useful across all um but i'm noticing and it might be my own experience so it's limited but the older you are instagram isn't as yeah. much as much yeah. for people yeah facebook really is like you know it's like people say oh i'm only on facebook because i want to see pictures of the family but i'm like when people tell me they're not on facebook i'm like how do you how do you know what's happening <laughs> like how do you know what's it's going crazy. on in the world or with your but you're right it's it's a double edged sword it's like it's got its ups and downs and- well that's that's it my my best friend uh lives down in albany he was he was episode 1 uh he does not have any social media at all he he's like if I ever had to get back into it, he's like, I don't, he's like, I don't even know how I would do it. He's like, I don't have a Facebook. I don't have Instagram. I don't have Snapchat. I don't have Twitter. I don't have any of it. He's like, I refuse. And you know, kudos to him, but he, he has, so I see the double-edged sword there. He, he lives an incredibly fulfilling life for what he wants to do, but he also is very disconnected from our friends. Isn't that and, sad? Like but, now, like you count on it to have maintained friendships. Isn't but that crazy? In, in a real, yeah, it's like, it's like who's right. I don't know who's right. Oh. Like, cause I, I totally see like the sickness of addiction with social media. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of taking a digression here, but it's just an interesting philosophical point of like, he's outside all the time. He's, enjoying himself his life all the time and he's he doesn't just like, have the stresses he's like not worrying about how many likes he's got and, <laughs> and and in a way he's like i say from my perspective you know he's maybe disconnected he's probably listening to the podcast but you know he's disconnected from friends but he still has a cell phone and he can still call people and he still stays in touch with people and it's not like he's cut off yeah you know so it's it's interesting like he's He's got everything he needs to stay connected, but also stay totally disconnected from. That's an, that. Isn't it interesting? I, 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 it's it's so funny because we, I used to be like before this all existed. I I remember going to the grocery store, as a, a married woman. I was also I was old. I was like at least in my twenties, and like, I didn't even have a cell phone. Right. And, I, uh, and you like, go for a run. You I, don't, I don't have a cell phone. I, it's it's just bizarre to me. And like my friend that I work with. She forgot her phone at home um, 
when she came to work and she couldn't go back and get it until her lunch break. And she was like, oh, are you going anywhere today? I left my phone at home. I'm going to die for four hours. And I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. That's see, imagine that's leaving the crazy your phone thing. somewhere. Oh, geez. Like, I mean, God, that's your like, lifeline. Oh. Yeah. There, I mean, we're, this is such a, we'll have to have you on again and just talk about this because it's, it's so, so interesting. interesting to me. Uh, there's a, there's a podcast with uh, Elon Musk on Joe Rogan and, um, you know, Tesla and all it, like he talks about how he predicts the next like the next layer of that is going to be like actual chips you know, where you're like, oh, it's oh. in on in your head, you God, know, because I really hope not. I really well, do. <laughs> well, it was interesting because I, I, I was just listening to that, that podcast and Joe Rogan asked Elon Musk, this incredibly brilliant dude who's, you know, launching ships into space and SpaceX and he's got Tesla and all these things. And he's like, do you think like people could become cyborgs? And his answer was, "We already are." Oh, but it kind of right, kind of well, right. Well, because because to your point of like your coworker, or your friend, you know, who's like, "Oh, I don't have my phone." It's like part of them is missing. Like part of their, I don't know. I'm <laughs> I'm taking a very interesting no, turn on this it's episode, so but true. it's so true. But if it you think about how, life. if I ask you a question and you don't know the answer, you pull out your phone yep. and you Google it. Yep. He's right. I mean, the only difference is you're just not physically typing into a phone to get Google. You just, you know, you it's in you Imagine or whatever. But, our, but my, like my kids, this is a whole other topic. Yeah. For a whole, this, it goes, like my kids have always known technology. Have always, my, my kid, my daughter is almost 10. My son is 13. They both have iPhones. Yeah. No, I'm sorry, not iPhones. They have, they have Androids, but they both they have, have smartphones. They have smartphones because you have a smartphone when you're 10 and 13. Some people would disagree that that's appropriate, but like everybody's kids has phones now. It's just it's crazy. crazy. And I remember being, uh, just getting old enough to where I was on. Like I, I remember I first varsity sport I was on in high in, I was an eighth grader and I got on the golf team. Okay. I love golf, but it sounds <laughs> so nerdy saying now. that. But, but I had to go to practice after school in eighth grade and i remember being one of the only kids there that had a cell phone and it was the entire family's cell phone (laughs) and it was this boxy like nokia thing and i got it i got it only on days that i knew like i was gonna have to it was for one purpose you keep it in your bag you don't pull it out (laughs) until you need to call and say practice is over that's it I remember I texted somebody with it just to see, and I had to like you know click like three, four times to get one letter, and then and then I might have played snake while I was waiting or something, and it racked up this like oh, massive no. oh, bill from man. one text because back then it was like I don't know twenty five cents a letter Jeez, or some crazy. Thing. That's so funny. But yeah, so I mean, you almost I, wonder if that's better. I came up in the time where I I know what it was like not having it, but now I've spent more of my life with it and it's interesting well now it's it's for me it's hard because like there are days i wish that i didn't have to be on social media but it's now part of my it's my job you know and i constantly do you know what the first thing i do when i wake up i go onto a meadowbrook facebook page and see 
and assess how many likes I got on posts from the previous day. And do you know what's even sadder? That's what determines if my day is going to be good or bad. <laughs> so bad. I'll send my, because I have to send my boss, um, I send him screenshots because he is not mm. on social media, but he has come to ground to the fact to see it's the benefit that it does do. Yep. And so I had to send him screenshots of every post I do from the week previous. And I'll, I'll always say, this was a really good week in social media. And like, <laughs> it's like, I just, for me, it's just like, I love seeing things do well, but I, it's a lot of work. My wife and I saw an episode of Black Mirror. Have you seen Black no, Mirror? So Black Mirror, it's almost like the modern Twilight Zone or Ooh. something. On, uh, oh, I've Netflix. heard of it. Okay. Yeah. So we don't really watch a lot of TV, but like occasionally we've we've found some interesting shows. And Black Mirror, it's called Black Mirror because of if you turn your phone off and you look at it, your phone is a Black Mirror, right? So that's the kind of the premise of the show. But it's it's about like technology and all these weird things Ugh. that could, it. Yeah, if you're if you're not interested in like having a mind, you know, not a mind like, like yeah, scaring myself yeah, into a mind, you know, thing. Um, <laughs> don't watch the show. Okay, but well. if you, but this one, it was interesting because it was a little bit more bright colors and happy. But it, it, everybody's life was ba- you were judged as a citizen based on your like social status through social media so like if you and i walked up to each other and we had a good interaction i'd rate you five stars and you'd rate me five stars and then all the five stars people were like basically living as the wealthiest elite but the people who had bad experiences were rated at two or they couldn't get they weren't allowed to board a plane or they weren't allowed to rent a car they weren't and it was like this social media based currency almost it was yeah, it doesn't seem so far-fetched, I'm sorry to say. But you think about it, you know, I mean, you do it, I do it. I Ugh. wake up and I check my, did I get it? Did anybody like praise me for my content yesterday? I want to, right? That's, yeah. that's what it is. I, yes, I know. Isn't that so, so crazy? That's the negative for sure. But the positive is I am now able to connect with people that I never would have been able to otherwise. Exactly. Yeah. And you get to, I have so many friends on Facebook that are professional, like business type friends that are acquaintances. Mm -hmm. But now when I see them, I remember their name because I'll see that they post pretty routinely. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And I just, it does connect you and it is a benefit, but it's such a touchy, so many things. Conversation for another episode. For several episodes. It could be, we could go on forever. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to pivot into the infamous stories of gumption rapid fire. I got, oh, <laughs> I got okay. th- three questions for you. Okay. Are you ready? I think so. Okay. Nobody's ever really ready, but we'll just... I feel like my answer is going to be just the crappiest <laughs> and I'm going to be embarrassed that I said that, but that's okay. I think they're going to be great. Okay. Well, you'll see. Full of gumption. We'll see. Uh, first one, what is your favorite book and why? All right, well, I'm going to tell you what my favorite book is. And I, and my son asked me this very question the other day, and I said the same answer, and I don't know if it was a good mom movement or a good mom moment or a bad one. But it's not because it's a whoop. I can't see I'm already making excuses for my selection. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I can't believe I'm going to say it, but I will. So <laughs> I really enjoyed, for a different reason than you're going to think, 
the Fifty Shades of Grey. And here's why. Okay. Okay. So okay. I am not like, I'm not a big crazy reader. I'm not. Yep. I, I'll read things here and there, but I really do like, I will admit, I like romance, crazy, yeah. stupid romance books, which is ironic. Sure. And um, and so Fifty Shades of Grey, I read and it actually was so fun to read and so many people my mom read it like my sister read it and we loved it we loved it and like it was so much fun to talk about and like i like literally like was in love with christian gray like my face was in those books (laughs) for for, forever forever and i just like it's a funny thing for me because it really brought women together to talk about sex in a different way yeah and so i even though it seems silly and and like dumb and trivial and yeah i don't really like you know, prescribed to whatever they yeah. did in those books. But I just I just thought it was a really cool step in women's sexuality. And we started talking about things that you definitely didn't normally talk about. And um, that's why I'm going to stick by my choice. That's right. Women's sexuality. There we go. See, I hey. got it around. I made it sound Good for smarter. you. Good for you. No, <laughs> but I really did. I really did like them. And they were really fun. And they were like really romantic. So I like romance. No, that's great. There you go. That's great. Admittedly, I'm aware of it, but I've never read it. <gasps> you might not like them. <laughs> you might not. I don't, I've not met a, a man that has liked them uh, or tried to actually read them. Because okay. I don't know. That might be. My little... wife read it. Did but... she hate it? Did... Some women don't like she them. She said she liked it. I liked it. It was really good. <laughs> For the same reasons you, you just said. Yeah. It was entertaining. And the b- movies know. are terrible. I'm so awful. But that's neither here nor there. I don't know. I like your explanation. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, question number two. Okay. What is a piece of advice that you would give your 18 year old self if you could? Um, I would say to my 18 year old self that try not to care so much all the time about what everybody else thinks of you. Just try to be yourself as much as you possibly can let your freak flag fly um, and say how you feel when you feel it and um, own it. And I just never did that until as I'm getting closer to 40, like probably in the past couple of years, it's really been an evolution for me to watch myself really let my freak flag fly. And you you just feel so empowered now. I do. I feel so good. Like there's, it's just when I was 18, 19, 20, 30 you know you're self-conscious you're like you know uh, weight is a terrible thing for women um, especially when you have kids and you're going through that whole thing I actually in one of my jobs I my boss had and he's no longer with us rest in peace but I so I can say it but he had actually said I was heavy and it was really wow awful. it was really awful it was oh my really God. awful and it was really um um but now, if that were to happen to me, I'd be like, yeah, I know. Because mozzarella sticks at Hobie's, man, they make me crazy. <laughs> I love them. freaking love mozzarella sticks at Hobie's. Um, so, yeah, that's what I tell myself. Yeah. Just try not to focus so much on what everybody else thinks and be yourself. Good for you. Yeah. I like that a lot. Uh, last question. My favorite question. Okay. The board of directors question. I don't know if you've heard it before, but here it is. So, if we could assemble a three-person board of directors for your life to guide and mentor you through the rest of your life who would they be they could be dead alive famous not famous uh who would those three people be that you would pick to be on your board of directors 
and why? Um, okay. That, it's nobody famous. It's nobody deceased. It's the people in my life that I count on for advice. So I would say if I can do, if I can jointly say my, you know, my mom and dad, they, I talk to my mom mostly, but her, my, her and my dad consult. So my parents. Yep. Okay. One unit. One unit. And then I'm going to, I'm cheating at your questions, but you're going to have to deal with it because sure. I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> yeah, uh, my next unit would be, um, my friends. Uh, so I have some wonderful, amazing, supportive, fantastic friends that, um, have helped me through everything every day, every day. And we're so close. And so there are just a few of them and they know who they are, but they are the people that I go to for advice, reassurance, honesty on a daily basis. And the last one is another collective is my children. And I know there's mm. only 10 and 13, but they are a very good guide for me. You know, um, I've chose, I've chosen very specifically to remain alone, a single woman. And since separating from my um, husband and it's because they are, that I know exactly it's allowed me to become so much more in touch with what the people that they are and they're so amazing and they only want good things for their mom. Like they love me, you know? So I ask them advice all the time and I have a pretty open book about everything. Like if I um, go on a date or anything, they, they know about it and they're like, Oh, here we go. You know, like, Another one, another one, mom's going to mess up or something. Like that. <laughs> but they're really great because they tell me things because they care about me. And I really like we have a wonderful friendship, too. So, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So I kind of cheated at your question. That's okay. I didn't want to identify specific people except for my parents, of course. But I have a whole little family that is wonderful to me. And I'm so lucky. Well, I put you on the spot, too. That's a pretty good answer. That's a pretty hard question, man. <laughs> what's the, Can I ask, if you've asked that question before, what's the most unique answer you've ever received? Oh, my gosh. I've asked this question to so many people, even before the podcast yeah. when I was working for ETS. Um, boy, I've, I've, gotten, I've gotten the whole works. I've gotten WWE wrestlers to <laughs> Barack Obama and Michelle Obama to, uh, yeah, um, Joe Rogan. I've heard people say Joe Rogan. A lot of parents, a lot of grandparents. Uh, Donald Trump. I've gotten one of those. No, uh, really? Wow. I have. Yep. Uh, you know, <laughs> to each his own. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, y- you know, this is a non-political show. Yeah, yes. non-political show. Um, but I've had some really interesting. You know, Steve Jobs is a is a popular one. Um, a lot of local people. Um, it's it's been interesting to hear people's answers because I feel like you learn a lot about people and what their yeah. values are. Yeah. Well, I guess that's true. Like, cause really, my whole I'm so lucky because I just have me and my two kids, but I have this whole collective of support from my mom friends and from my family, and like they're the people I actually do go for for advice every single time mm. I screw up or do something or. You know, when I was going through all this job craziness where a gumption really had to come in, you know, like I, I, I tell this story I, that I had gone to a family reunion before I got my position at Meadowbrook and had been just doing so terribly and blaming it on pretty much everyone else but myself. And my dad said, how long are you going to do that? And it kind of kicked me in the butt. 
And yeah. yeah, sometimes you just need people to be honest with you. And that's the people that I would take advice from is the people that I know on a regular basis are honest with me and tell me what I want them to, not what I want yeah. them to tell me, but what's true. Yeah. It's very interesting. And, and there's a lot of gumption and perseverance. Yes, totally. Absolutely. And uh, everything happens as it should, but really definitely gumption helps you to get to the point that you end up being in. Like if you just sit mm. back and let things happen to you, be like, well, I'm so, everything bad's happening to me and nothing good's going to happen. And <laughs> I sound like April from Parks and Rec, don't I? <laughs> wow. Weird. Oh, man. Yeah, well, so, Great show. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give you one last opportunity to plug you or Meadowbrook or whatever really? you wanted. Oh yeah. You, um, I try and do this for everybody, but, um, you don't have to give a rotary dollar either this oh, wow, wow, <laughs> to wow, make wow, an great. announcement, Thank you. But, oh, uh, go for it. One last plug, how people can get in touch with you or an event or something you're working on volunteering for that you want to plug in the podcast. Go for it. Uh, okay. Actually, I will do that. I will say, um, Meadowbrook, um, obviously from what I've said prior to this is a wonderful uh, facility. We recently received the Employer of the Year Award from the Champlain Valley Business and Professional Women's Organization. And so that's super awesome. Nice. But uh, we're also, I'm actually, one of my new roles is I'm um, taking over the volunteer program that we have because it's kind of in my wheelhouse. I did that at the hospital and I did a lot of volunteer work when I was working for the city. I oversaw volunteers. So I'm taking that on and this summer I'm launching a junior volunteer program at Meadowbrook. So it's ages 14 through 18. And they have to do a minimum of two hours per week for six weeks. And it is going to be a great opportunity to see all the different awesome opportunities in the wonderful world of medical um, or of healthcare, and from all different levels, administrative cool. to medical. And so we're really excited to get some young people into Meadowbrook and also to help us to enrich the lives of some of our community's most fragile humans. And they are some outstanding stories and people um, living in those walls. And I have had the wonderful opportunity to appreciate age so much more. Like turning 40, I'm psyched about it. Where before (laughs) I was like, geez, turning 40, oh my God. But now I'm like, I've got... 40 more years at least left to give, you know, yeah. things are going to be great. That's awesome. And it just keeps getting better and better. So awesome. that's it. How do people get in touch with oh, you? Oh yeah. Sorry. Um, they can email me at S Geddes, S G E D D E S at meadowbrookhealth.com. Um, or they can always call Meadowbrook five, six, three, five, four, four, zero. Um, but, or you can look at me on Facebook cause I'm on Facebook, Sandra Elizabeth. Um, and, um, you know, I'm always got my face on it, so I pretty much can't not see it. Nice. Yeah. nice. So, yes. Perfect. Awesome. Well, this has been great. Yes. Thank you so much, Ryan. I had a great time. Awesome. I had a great time, too. I'm glad you came on and, and certainly learned a lot today. Awesome. I did. And yeah, me too. I would be in remiss in say, if I didn't say uh, you do. You have a lot of gumption. Stick with it. You're doing great things for Thank Plattsburgh. You. I like it a lot. Ditto. Um, we also need to do one last shout out for our sponsors. First and foremost, uh, Matt and Sarah Craig from Open Gate Farmstead. They are the power couple in Osable, uh, putting together some really great farm-to-table options uh, for this community. And I love their eggs. Uh, let them know that. Uh, let them know that uh, you're um, interested in some eggs. You heard about it from the Gumption podcast, and you are um, looking for your first dollar off. Also, Kavanaugh Realty, 
uh, Galen Trombley, Joey Trombley, those guys are awesome. They're doing great stuff in the real estate market uh, in the northern New York area. Uh, if you have any questions about real estate, check them out. Galen Trombley on social media. He's putting out a lot of good content for free that uh, people are finding very valuable in terms of real estate, selling or buying a home. And uh, check them out. Hashtag local matters. Ladies and gentlemen, that's episode 10 with Sandra Geddes. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in this far. I hope you've enjoyed it. Stay tuned for more. Don't forget, uh, subscribe. Like us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, other social media. We're on Twitter. Uh, Stories of Gumption. Um, Check us out. Peace. Mm.